Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. This second session, we're going to look at something particular. Uh, where, where in the world does New Testament baptism come from? Well, you already know from the last session, uh, the ideas are rooted in, in the Old Testament, in God's revelation of himself in the uh, Old Testament. And, and we're going to look at New Testament baptism particularly because uh, when you look at the name that's invoked in baptism, uh, there is a shift, Brother Sleep. It's interesting and, and immersion and all sorts of fun things. So uh, where did it come from, that practice, the particulars, and how does that inform our understanding of what's going on uh, in the uh, New Testament? So what we're going to do is uh, look at the origin and purpose of Jesus' name baptism. Uh, the New Testament is clear that all Christians must be baptized. No one really argues that. They may argue Uncle Don and other churches that it's not necessary for salvation, uh, but it's needed. And I'm like, what's that mean? I don't know what that means. And so they would argue, but I, I, I can't find a, a, a good argument of, what, of any place in the scripture where there's Christians that are not baptized. So most people now uh, today will uh, admit that. Now what's challenging is not only must all Christians be baptized, they got to be baptized in Jesus' name. You can see that in John chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, water and baptism, spirit essentiality. We'll look at that at the language there uh, where Jesus shows that if you're not born again of water and spirit, you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. And then, of course, Acts 2, 38, that you're baptized. I, I can't think it was Brother Lopez. Forgive me for not remembering off the top of my head. I believe it was Brother Lopez. Did a beautiful job in a teaching session talking about the difference between uh, remission and forgiveness. You don't just receive uh, forgiveness. You receive remission. Your sins are remitted in the waters of baptism when you, by faith, have the name of the Lord called over you. And then Acts 4 and 12 uh, it's, it's triple redundant uh, in uh, Greek. It's wild. I, I, there's hardly anything like that in, in Greek culture. Now, we don't do double negatives in English, right? Uh, but they do it in Greek. And this is not only a double negative, it's a triple negative, And it's a way of emphasizing uh, absolute essentiality. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So it's a triple emphasis uh, that that name of Jesus is the only uh, saving uh, name. So uh, let's go to this passage in the Old Testament to frame this. Paul's writing by the Spirit of God, and he says, for ye, plural, and again, I want to point that out to you, uh, he's saying everybody in the church, ye, plural. Uh, that's an inclusive language. For ye are all children of God. And then he shows why, how? By faith in who? Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into who? Now, I know, I know you believe this so much. Maybe if you write in your Bible, you could write in the margin if you're okay with that. If you're not, you have a notebook, write in a notebook. Uh, notice not the Trinity. You're not baptized into the Trinity. You're baptized into who? 
Christ. That's why we baptize in Jesus' name. Because it's what God did in the incarnation as the lamb that saves us. Uh, so, so what does that mean, Brother Kilman? He says, for as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye, plural, all of you in the church, are one who? In Christ Jesus. Right? So, and he says, if ye be whose? Christ. Now notice all of this language is you belong to Jesus. Uh, And if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according uh, uh, to the promise. And again, that shows uh, something particular about the the understanding that the New Testament apostles uh, had about the name of Jesus. That's why we are an apostolic church. It's not a name brand. It's not like uh, Baskin Robbins, which flavor are you? Brother Mass, it's we want to do theology the way that Jesus and the apostles did. And so the, the question is, where did New Testament baptism come from? What's its origin? And what does that mean for us? So uh, let's look at the origin of New Testament baptism. So there's basically two major views today, uh, Brother Scott, in study on where baptism in the New Testament came from. Uh, One of them is proselyte baptism. Now, what does that mean? It's a practice that you can find uh, that in rabbinic sources at the time of Jesus, the rabbis would take somebody that was an outsider to the faith of Israel. Brother Ivan, if you wanted to join and you wanted to be a, a Jewish guy, you wanted to join the faith of Israel, what they would do is they would take you to these things called mikvahs, which were like baptismal places, And you would go in and symbolic of dying and being buried, you would be washed and you would come out of the water and you would be saying, I'm going to live in a a new life, in a new way of living now. I'm going to embrace the God of Israel and live according to new life. So that's one option. The second is the foundation of the baptismal activity of John the Baptist. He said, you know, all of Israel's coming out to him to be baptized. And the question for scholars today is, which view uh, should we take and why? Now, uh, often in, in theology, people say, which one? I would say, which one is it? I'd say, yes. <laughs> because they, they make these false dichotomies all the time. And it's not an exclusive choice. It's, it's the right understanding of proselyte baptism and John's baptism are in view and they're expanded. Now, what does that mean, Brother Kilman? Uh, they wanted to baptize people into the faith of Israel. Uncle Don, that was right. They needed to give up their Gentile ways of thinking, repentance. They needed to come to swear loyalty to the high king. And then they're baptized as a, a symbol of death and then walking in the newness of life. But John didn't stop there. John says, you're right. You need to be baptized. But he added, he said, Israel is so backslidden. You have become so far away from the intent of God that every Israelite needs to be baptized too. Now, that's why when John says, uh, uh, talking about prepare you the way of the Lord and and make uh, straight his paths, Uh, every high place will be torn down, every low place will be exalted. What was that? In the Old Testament, that's an ancient Near Eastern uh, road crew that the prophet's talking about, Brother Herbs. It's uh, if you're going to let the king come, the king's going to be carried on one of those uh, chair kind of palaquins, right? And and the king's not going to come if the road's so bumpy, he's constantly trying to hang on. 
So you have to prepare the way. You got to create a road for the king to come. And so that means everything that's, uh, that's high, you got to take out. Anybody know there were some things in my life that had to go? And every low place, how many of you know God had to fill in some places in your life? You got to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. You got to embrace right things. And, and that's repentance. And that's prepare you the way of the Lord. And again, when that's applied to Jesus uh, uh, by John, he's saying he's the one God of the Old Testament come uh, to now as the Christ. Right? So that's the, uh, that's the origin uh, that we're looking at. Now, oh, forgive me. I got way too many. Uh, I meant to put more animations up there. All right, so now the question is then, Brother Kilman, what do we do with these formulas, plural, in the New Testament? Now, if you look at the New Testament baptismal formula, at first glance, it can seem like a conflict. Like Matthew 28, 19, uh, Acts 2, 8, 10, 19, 22, uh, the references throughout the epistles. And you can look at it and you can say, okay, there seems to be a variance. How many have ever heard somebody say something like this? Well, I'd rather obey Jesus than the apostles. Oh, if our Bible's in conflict, we're in trouble. Uh, so what does that mean? Uh, well, uh, Matthew 28, 19 says to baptize them into the, into the name, is literally the Greek, or in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In Luke, uh, the parallel passage, it says baptizing them in my name. Now notice that name is singular. Now, I know you know this, but it's, about, uh, it's not in the names, plural, of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. When you look at Matthew 28, 19, it's pointing to one singular name. Now, I know you know that. Most of you know that. Uh, we have some wonderful new people that maybe this is the first time hearing that. The question is, what is that one singular name? Now, what's fascinating is when Jesus commands this, the first opportunity that the apostles have to obey what Jesus told them to do, they use the name of Jesus. You can see that in Acts 2.38, Acts 10.48. We could go through Acts 8 and all sorts of other passages as well. All I want to point out is notice that they don't use a triune name. So the practice of the apostles speaks to the understanding of what Jesus gave them. By the way, Luke says, before he gets into Acts, Jesus opened up their understandings. And, and what that means is they had correct understanding from the mouth of Jesus himself. So why did the apostles baptize in Jesus' name instead of a triune name? Well, th th then it gets a little more complicated because there's a slight variance between Acts 19.5 or 8.16. Is it the name of the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, or uh, what does that look like? Uh, well, the commonality is the name of Jesus. And all of them have, and this is the, what I want to try to get in this next little session. All of these baptismal formulas have something in common. That baptism is a Christological confession. Turn to your neighbor and say, just words. What is Christological? It comes from two Greek words, Christos and Logos. It's just a word about Christ. Christological means that there is a confession about Christ that you need to make, and it's evidenced by your baptism. Brother Rado, I'm trying to behave. I just want to go preach for a while, but i got to build understanding. Lord, help me stay on track. Now, there's a great little book, uh, uh, I, I had the title up there, forgive me, uh, uh, but uh, I edited the slides before last night, Brother Michael, wherever you are, and Sister Shayla, I apologize. 
Uh, the, the use of the name uh, is a, a great little book called uh, Into the Name of Jesus. Now, don't look it up because it's like, it's like 180 bucks online or something because it's out of print, and I'm sorry. But if you want to see it, I have one in my library. You can come see it in my library. You can't take it home with you because I, I, I have to pray about my book issues. Hallelujah. My wife's back there saying amen. <laughs> now, well, Lars Hartman is fascinating. He's, a, he's not an apostolic. Uh, he, he says some things about this phrase that we have in the New Testament. We're just reading the Bible. And he says, when you look at this passage, into the name of the Lord Jesus, he says it's uh, a definition, a phrase, uh, which mentioned the fundamental reference of Christian baptism, which dis- uh, distinguished it from all other rites. What is he saying? He's saying baptism in the name of Jesus in the New Testament distinguished itself from every other practice that came before it around that time. It separated itself from every other type of baptism there was in that day, just like today. Now, what does that mean, Brother Kilman? He says, into the name of Jesus, distinguishes it from all others. Secondly, Jews baptized into the name of Jesus were distinguished from other Jews. What other Jews, Brother Kilman? The ones who did not make the Christological confession that Jesus was the Christ. That he's the way, the truth, and the life. That he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And that baptism was a way uh, that they said we are different than every other uh, Jew at the time. Thirdly, Gentiles baptized were added. And again, we're back to Amos 9. To the true people of God, not Judaism that rejected Jesus. Now, we don't have time to deal with it in detail, but I can counsel you on your own if you like to study some of these other things. Colossians chapter 2, Paul says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men. Um, and then he says, After the rudiments of the world, Stoichian. He says, There is a uh, best we can get at it, Brother Herbst, is a rudiments of the world, is the basic fundamental elements of existence. And that means the physical world and the spiritual world that's attached to it. Uh, Paul would say, you could say it's a spirit system. Be careful that you don't, through man's philosophy, get trapped away from what God wants to do by being taken as spoils of war in a spirit system. Traditions can lock you away from the revelation of what God wants to do. And, what, and, and, and they're like, yep, Rome. Paul says Rome's a stoichia. And they're like, yep, principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. Rome is ruled by the devil. And then Paul makes this staggering statement about Judaism in his day. Now, not Jewish people, right? Not Israelites. But uh, Jewish people that were in power. He said, they are a Stoichian. How do you know that, Brother Kilman? They killed Jesus. Not the people at large. Remember, Christianity started with Jewish people. But the rulers of the day, uh, uh, they were ruled by the darkness uh, uh, of the kingdom of the enemy. And so what he's saying is now Gentiles are added to the right place. Why? Because they're added with that Christological confession. Uh, if you don't get your confession about Jesus right, you can join a lot of religious things and still not be attached to the kingdom. Then he says, fourthly, necessary to Jesus' name baptism was an explicit connection with repentance, conversion, and baptism of the Spirit. Now, Brother Sleeper, this is not an apostolic. It's just fascinating, Brother Faulkner, how many admissions there are out there that uh, the Bible's right and our position that we take is the biblical position. Then fifthly, 
Baptism into the name of Jesus became the mark of one's identity. Now, now, uh, what does that mean, Brother Kilman? I'll try to, forgive me, I, I meant to have these uh, show up a little. Oh, did I go past too bad? Yes. Oh, no, that's it. Good. So scripture teaches us, shows us that the power of God was manifest in these actual words. Well, Brother Kilman, it doesn't really matter how you're baptized. No, 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 it matters. Because the spirit of God moves and his power is manifested according to what he says, all right? We get our methodology, how we do church, study of methods, right? We get, Brother Armando, we do everything that the New Testament does, the New Testament church did, that's what we do. Why? Because we are New Testament people. We're gonna do church the way Jesus said to do the church. We're gonna do the church the way the apostles, uh, the hand-picked disciples, uh, uh, you know, men that Jesus chose, we're going to do church the way they did the church. All right, now that that's ties our hands because we want to be biblical. How many of you want to be biblical? So then it means when the Bible shows us the power of God was manifest in these actual words in the name of Jesus as they were spoken. So first of all, that means something like this. The apostles did not just act in Christ's authority. If you've ever talked to somebody about this, they will say, well... Um, you know, when you say in the name of Jesus, it means in, in the authority of Jesus. That's true. Uh, but it also means that that's the only way it can occur. <laughs> like if I, if I get on a check and I put, you know, father, because I'm a father, son or spirit, you know, because I have a human spirit, that you're not going to get do much good at the bank trying to cash that. But when you use my name, yes, it's in the authority of, but it's actually in the authority of because it's in the actual name. That means you don't have authority unless you have the actual name. And so all due respect to our, our wonderful friends that try to wrestle with that. What other kind of authority would they be acting? So for instance, when the Bible says, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, uh, give I thee in, I'm, I'm pointing out the Greek there, in the name of what? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And it was in the, the power occurred by the ridge because he used that name. Because the power's attached, the authority's attached to that actual name. You can see in Acts 4, 7, and when they had set him in the midst, they asked by, and again, I'm, I'm just pointing out in the Greek, that's in, you could understand it as in what power or by, in what name have you done this? Well, they say in the name of Jesus. Because the power's attached to the name. And, and then uh, and the 70, the disciples Jesus sent out, returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are sub subject unto us through or in thy name. Why? Because it's actually in the name of Jesus. No name of Jesus, no power. No name of Jesus, no salvation. Why? Because you don't have a savior. All right, so I, I had a, a wonderful uh, pastor, we were talking, we were in Oklahoma together doing a camp meeting, a lot of fun. And he was telling me this story back in 2019. It wasn't public then, Brother Faulkner, but he shared it. Uh, we were actually in Oklahoma again doing a camp together. It was a lot of fun. And uh, he was telling the story. He said he had a wonderful friend of another denomination that he was talking to. They had a wonderful working relationship. And by the way, you should have wonderful working relationships. You should be loving people and talking about what you have in common. And uh, that, that way, uh, those people that love Jesus and love the word of God, can be uh, uh, led on to more of what God has for them to understand and walk in. And, and so uh, he, he was talking to me. He, he's an African pastor. And he said, uh, Brother Sleevey, he said, uh, Pastor, do you run into demon possession? He said, oh, yeah. I had multiple churches over in Africa. He said, oh, yes, all the time. He said, so uh, 
Uh, do you pray and are they delivered? He said, oh, yes, pastor, every time they're delivered. He said, so what do you say when you pray? He said, well, we say in the name of Jesus. He said, well, let me ask you a question. He said, uh, why, why don't you say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? He said, oh, pastor, there's no power there. Then it dawns on him and he said to him, he said, oh, pastor, you need to baptize me in Jesus' name. Baptized him. He went back and baptized his church. And just this past year, they went over to Africa and all those churches to be baptized in Jesus' name. Why? Because he understands that the power of casting out a devil is in that name. Then what happens at baptism? It's got to be in the name. I told you I was going to try not to preach. It's just hard. All right. So in the New Testament church, uh, uh, the entire New Testament church was literally called people of the name. That's why the United Pentecostal Church, uh, we use that title, people of the name. Number one, it means at least this much. They use Jesus's name uniquely and prominently and powerfully. And it's said of them upon or epi whom my name is called which is all the way back to that Genesis thing. Secondly, it means the use of this name was a prominent aspect of their doctrine. And for them, Brother Rich, to do that, how do we think that we can do any different today? Thirdly, the issue was a specific name, unapologetically preached. You go look at Acts 15 and Acts 5. And, and then to magnify the name was to magnify Jesus. I would, if you can find it, what you need to do is you need to go find Talmadge French, my old uh, uh, dean of theology. I love Brother French. You need, to, you need to find his article that he's written on the name. and What that means in the Old Testament. Like when, when uh, you talk to Jewish people today, they, they because of, uh, mis, in my, forgive me for being so candid, if I was dealing with their Armando, with a, uh, a Jewish person, I would say it more carefully, but we can be honest today. Because of a misunderstanding, they don't want to say the name of God in the Old Testament. So instead, they will just say Hashem, which means the name. <laughs> we're called people of the name. And when you understand that they were called people of the name, that means everything in the Old Testament. It's the same thing in the New Testament because they were Jewish people. As a matter of fact, there is a, uh, uh, there is a uh, Greek lexicon, Bowers. Uh, uh, English lexicon. That's a dictionary of Greek language. He's an expert. It's, it's, in my, it's considered, unless you get Kittles, it's like a 20-some volume set, Brother Herbst. Uh, Bowers is the kind of standard. And so Bowers says this about uh, baptism into the name of Jesus. He says, there's no corresponding use has been found in secular Greek. He says, that's not a Greek phrase, into the name of Jesus. He says, uh, the use of even epi which is upon in the dative, uh, he says, which represents a unique Greek usage. He says it's only used, the phrase is used only of the name Jesus. <laughs> and the Greek usage, he says, is actually invoking of the name of Jesus when you say in the name. So what is he saying? When you say it's in the name of Jesus and you actually have to say it, you're right. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a good day to be an apostolic. All right, now let me get to some conclusions. That's false close number one. This entrance of having the name of Jesus called over you is necessary. It's a necessary first act. Now, what does that mean? It means you can't be in the kingdom unless you're born again of water and spirit. Common to every New Testament Christian uh, is this baptism where they're called by the name of the Lord or have the name of Jesus called over them. And, and this is the emphasis. It makes a radical transformation of our self-understanding. 
that I am called by the name of Jesus. My baptism is not a hurry up and get done so I can get the Holy Ghost. It's a statement of my faith about who Jesus is and what he came to do and what he can do in my life. Now, I'm going to be really strong here. Without that Christological confession, people will struggle getting the Holy Ghost. Why? Because they haven't made a statement of faith about Jesus yet. They haven't, that faith just means trust. They haven't trusted him as Savior yet. When you get him right, everything else is going to be easy. But until you get him right, it's Lord. And what he came to do, that Christological confession is missing. But when you say, I want to go down in that name, you're saying something particular about Jesus. Okay, so that, that means that, that that transformation of their self-understanding when they were baptized, that's crucified, dead, and buried with Christ. And, and, and then secondly, it means those baptized into Christ belong to him and to his destiny. <laughs> How many know you got a future? But it was secured because of what he did, not what I did. How many know you got a a future that's secured because there is an everlasting Lord. There is a God who he's the head of all principalities and powers. Ephesians 3 says he's given him to the church who Christ. He's given only to the church. That's why you want to be a part of the church. And in order to be a part of the church, you got to come along and be baptized into the body. You got to go ahead and let that name of Jesus be called over you. Be a part of this victorious rule. Because number three, under Jesus' rule, the one baptized in water and spirit is empowered to walk in the newness of life. It's like, I'm going to talk about my dad a little bit. He was across the highway over there by the Hauka, around the corner, going towards Eli Lilly, that little red brick church. And he was dying of cancer in 1968. He was wrestling because he was raised in another denomination and uh, they baptized him in the name of the titles. and, And he was... Dying of cancer, and he knew that he was not saved. He was, he was a tough man, lived a very broken life. And he wanted to be saved. He said, God, I don't mind dying, but I don't want to die lost. And he said, and if you'll save me and heal me, I'll tell it everywhere I go. My dad did that. Wow, did he do that? He'd witness to anybody, man. <laughs> Sometimes you're like, oh, God, distracting me. You know? <laughs> but he was just bold, bold. He got down to business with God. How many of you know what it's like to get down to business? I really want to know Jesus. He said, Lord, which way is it? Is it Matthew 28, 19? Or is it Acts 2, 8, 10, 19? All these references in the epistles, which is it? And he said, the Lord spoke to him and says, Son, whatsoever you do in word or deed, Colossians 3, 17, right? Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. He said, you walk in my name. You talk in my name. Son, arise and be baptized in my name. And of course, uh, he didn't know where to go. He said, where, Lord? And, and he went to a church, I won't name the denomination, and he asked them to baptize him in Jesus' name. He, the pastor wouldn't do it because he doesn't have that Christological understanding. And so uh, the Lord had a neighbor, Claudie Coy, uh, across the street, Brother Denny. And uh, he, he walked over and started talking to Claude, and he said, uh, Claude, he said, do you know a church that will anoint me with oil, like it says in the book of James, and pray for me that I can be healed? He said, yeah. He said, yeah, I know know a church that will do that. He said, yeah, but will they baptize me in Jesus' name? And, of course, Claude was uh, floored because he knew the denomination my dad was raised in and where he professed his belief. And he said, Elmer, who told you you had to be baptized in Jesus' name? He said, the Lord told me. 
and uh, Claude dropped his head because he was a backslider. And he told my dad where to go. He went over there and uh, they baptized him in Jesus' name and God healed him of cancer. And my mom got in church and seven kids and, you know, grandkids and great-grandkids. There's so many of us, it's embarrassing. <laughs> and then my dad helped Claude get back in church. But, you know, uh, everything you do, why? Because if you don't confess him as Lord and Christ, you do that in the act of baptism by calling on his name. That's a trust in him. All right, that's session two.